Episode number 70 of Blast Points. Big 7-0. Yeah, we made it <laughs> to the uh, the 70s. <laughs> We're one week out of celebration. Gabe, how, how's your recovery process doing? How, how are you holding up? I think I'm slowly getting back to normal. I didn't recover as fast as I'd hoped. There was a lot of Star Wars and a lot of celebrating. So I'm getting back to normal. I've been, I think, every night falling asleep at about... 10 o'clock, 10.30, still still coming around. My voice is back, though, at least. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I was worried for a while that Blast Points would have to be an all-text uh, text podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we just send out a newsletter every every week Yeah, because your voice would never come back. Uh, part of my voice was still floating around at the, the floor of the Orlando Convention Center, but also I think part of my throat is forever stuck on... Um, the Aerosmith Rock and Roller Coaster at Disney Hollywood Studios. <laughs> Probably. Uh, it blew out of the back of your mouth and just stuck, to the, <laughs> stuck to one of the chairs. You know, you got the sense of it in the, the last live from Celebration episode, but we did both overnight lines, Disney World on Friday night. Friday night. And then the 501st Bash on Saturday night. That's a lot of celebration. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot more celebration than sleeping. Star Wars party, it's a one of a kind. Star Wars party, it's a 
letting a minute go to waste this no. time. <laughs> no. If, if there is celebrating to be had, we were going to have it. Your your plane was delayed a few hours late, so you were in one of the video streaming rooms, right? At the celebration stage for the, the 40th anniversary panel. How was... I'd never been in a video streaming room for one of those big panels. How was that? What was that whole experience like? It was pretty cool, yeah, because uh, my flight was... Three hours delayed, just enough time that by the time I got to the convention, it was after midnight, and they'd locked people out of the overnight line. But at that point, I couldn't sleep anyway, especially since, you know, you sent out pictures of people breakdancing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't sleep now. Just got in line at 4 a.m. for the just to see where I would end up. And, yeah, luckily I ended up in the, I think, was it the celebration stage, which was the first overflow room. It was nice. I mean, it was like a, almost like a movie theater. So the screen was big, and we could see everything that was going on. And it was still pretty cool because people were still freaking out almost as much as they were in the real room. And a, c- a couple times the audio kind of cut out on the live stream, and we could actually hear you guys up a floor above us, you know, cheering and clapping. And oh, so wow. it was it was we were close enough. It was almost like we were in the room. And in a way, you showing up, like maybe around four in the morning when you showed up for that 40th anniversary, was kind of for the best because that Thursday night, well, there's been a lot of people talking about it. I mean, I was fine with it, but it was it was off to a rough start. I mean, the, the DJ Elliot coming out at 1 a.m. <laughs> was, <laughs> you know, yeah, everybody likes Star Wars. Y'all ready for this? Oh yeah. yeah, it was yeah. it was a rocky start, but um, that panel made it all worth it. Please welcome none other by Yoda, George Lucas. Yeah, the panel was pretty. That's pretty amazing, and it was impressive. That I mean, it sounded like from. All the interviews um, everyone was giving afterwards, too, that even the people there, like other than Kathleen Kennedy, I don't even know if George Lucas knew that John Williams was going to be there. Like yeah. they kept that secret pretty uh, close to the chest because I think it sounded like even Warwick Davis didn't know that he was behind the curtain. <laughs> The secret sauce of Star Wars, the greatest composer, conductor in the universe, John Williams. That was mind-blowing, because those curtains opened up. And at least in the room, the the attitude at first was, oh, that's cool. They're going to do like a, like a little symphony performance. But then there was kind of like, you just heard through the crowd, like the murmurs, like, is that, is that John Williams? Is that John Williams? Oh my God. And then he turned around, and people just went insane. You know, people were like, "Oh, it's really John Williams! It's really John Williams!" And I realized this too. My brain was completely fried, and I think I forgot to tell you this. Right before John Williams came on, Mark Hamill's wife came by, and his daughter with their two dogs. And I remember because I was just like, "What's going on?" Because I saw like this woman, these two women go by carrying these little dogs, and I was like. What's that? Why did they bring these dogs in right now? But then later, I was like, oh, my God, wait a minute. That was Mark Hamill's wife. Yeah, they really wanted to see John Williams, I guess. Yeah, they must have. They heard. Mark texted him quickly. Get over here. <laughs> um, 
I guess if anything, that was one of the advantages then of being in the live stream room is, you know, they had the camera right on the symphony. So as soon as the curtain went down, it was like, oh, my gosh, it's John Williams. Like, there, you know, we could tell right away. Yeah, it was just that was nuts. Yeah, I was I was way in the back, way in the back because we were like halfway in the line, which was the crazy thing, because we got in and there was like a whole thousand people behind us. And when we got into that room for the 40th anniversary, it was really hard to find a seat. Like We were like running, trying to find like a group of three seats together. And I remember thinking, like, man, what? It was like a thousand more people that need to get in here. I don't know what <laughs> happened to them. I have no idea. But Luckily, it seemed like they kind of figured that out for uh, Friday night. Yeah, for Last Jedi, it was, it was a little bit smoother. Yeah. But, man, I don't, all I kept keep thinking about this week afterwards and i'm sure there were reasons they couldn't do it but it feels like such a shame that they managed to get john williams there and they didn't have him you know stick around for a panel or something it's like they had oh. david collins who spent you know a couple of years on the oxygen podcast analyzing the music and they actually had the two of them in a building together they could have just you know had a face canceled one of the other panels and just had a David Collins interviews John Williams for our thing that would have you know blown people's minds because I feel like he doesn't have that many more interviews left in him. They could have called the panel, watched David Collins sweat. <laughs> they would have just had to wrap him in towels. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would have been great. And like a John Williams panel would have been amazing, or or yeah, or if he just performed live all during celebration, like you're on the exhibitor floor and he's just. In a corner, just playing live the whole time. Yeah, they were like, sorry, John, if you want to go home, you got to just keep conducting for two more days and then we'll take you home. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck in Florida forever. <laughs> After a while, you know, people shouting out requests, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Play the theme Play from 1941. Yeah, play space camp. <laughs> Would have been amazing. They could have put him over by the giant uh, Bail Organa banner. Yeah, there was nothing going on over there. Yeah, there was plenty of space for John Williams over there. <laughs> People start a mosh pit. Yeah. Would have been awesome. Yeah. Crowd surfing. Uh, I'm surprised there wasn't crowd surfing, though, because that, that was... It's hard to just even think back to just really how mind-blowing that was, though, because everyone was, like, just freaking out that Harrison Ford was there. Yeah. No, and, you know, I don't think anyone was even thinking that there was anything even more than Harrison Ford. Which is it's crazy, because, like, looking back at the 40th anniversary, it's like, John Williams was so, like, mind-blowing. I feel sad that I forget sometimes that Harrison Ford was there. <laughs> and... That George Lucas pretty much was the host of the whole thing. Yeah, like, that he was out the whole time. I got to spend like an hour just staring at George Lucas and his weird body movements, you know? Yeah, yeah, him swinging his feet off the end of the chair. <laughs> just looking nervous. Rubbing his hands together. Um, oh. his, his plaid shirt not really fitting really well, you know? I, I did, though, I did get to spend a good amount of time and I was really looking at his shoes. And it looked like he got new shoes for this. But they're still the same shoes he got. Like, I bet you when he buys shoes, he buys like 10 pairs at a time. I bet you're right. 
and he just puts them in the closet. And every couple months, he just goes into the next box. Forgot I had these. Yeah. I always put in a head. Did you watch the, the interview with him and Harrison on the Star Wars show stage? Yeah. Afterwards? Yeah, that was pretty good, too. That's a little, a little awkward, but yeah. really good. Are you looking forward to watching a Han Solo movie as a fan? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll be watching it as a, uh, as a, uh, yeah, of course I'll be watching it as a fan, but it'd be weird. George, what are your thoughts on these sort of super fans growing up? You called Dave Filoni one of your kids. These kind of super well, yeah. fans, yeah, just sort of growing up and now they are kind of taking the reins of this thing. How does that feel? It feels great. It's great to have worked with somebody. I worked with Dave for like 10 years, you know, and I was there making his life miserable for the whole time. And finally, he's, you know, making everybody else's life miserable. I think I've done a good job. I don't think Lucas would have it any other way other than being awkward in interviews. <laughs> I was wish when I was watching that, I was wishing he would just, like, take random props from their set. All right, technically, I own all this stuff. I'm, I'm going to take this home. I like this. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's a kid in a clone trooper costume. I'll just take this kid home. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, I own you. So, you're coming with me. <laughs> you know, introduce you to Melody. But watching the, the live stream stuff of just random people standing in front of Jabba on the Star Wars show stage. When, you know, whenever we talked about if there was a, if Disney had a Star Wars app where they just had stuff, they could have literally like two hours a day of just footage of people in costumes standing around and I would watch that would be like my favorite show on TV. Yeah, that was the best thing cuz if you were walking around the floor at celebration, there was the people that were on the stage for the Star Wars show, the fans in costume, and they were amazing. But also if you went behind, there was like a whole line of just the best of the best costumes of people waiting to get their chance to go on stage, and it was yeah. always the best stuff lined up there. Because I got the feeling that they made, like, they picked people kind of in themes, right? Like, they wouldn't just necessarily go in order. It was like, you kind of match this person, I think, right? Because it seemed like there was always, like, a theme up there. Like, yeah, if it was Filoni, it'd be clone troopers and Ahsoka and stuff. Or, mm -hmm. yeah, I wonder how they did that. If they had someone out on the floor, like, wrangling people up. I think they did. I mean, they had, they had the people kind of, it's like getting into the hot club. Yeah, right? you gotta you gotta get through security, and they're like, "No, you can go. No, you can't go. No, you can go." <laughs> Which that pretty much was the hot club on the floor, right? If you were, uh, you wanted to know where the action was, it was on the never-ending Star Wars show stage. I'm kind of amazed that those that crew was able to function because they literally what did, what did I think on Saturday, right? They did like ten hours straight because <laughs> <laughs> the videos on YouTube, it's like ten hours of. The Star Wars stage show. Eventually, they should have just given up and just had the Saga Rare guy host it all. Well, if they learned anything, yeah, next year, I hope he's hosting all the panels <laughs> and doing all the interviews. Let's give that guy the keys to everything. Yeah, so I don't know if you saw on, I think on Facebook, and I think we put it on our Instagram too, but there was there was one guy, just one guy dressed as Saga Rare, and we had the chance to talk to him on Saturday. We wish we would have recorded it. Recorded we it. Kind of, we were starstruck. Yeah, <laughs> but he was. I think we, he was so good. Yeah, we were just so 
in shock that we found him because we remember waking up and we saw on Twitter it was like, wait, there's a guy I saw here and he's handing out, you know, have you seen my board gullet flyers? Mm. Yeah, when we turned the corner and he was standing there in the flesh. Um, <laughs> we, we probably we freaked, we freaked him out because we took off running towards him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we flipped out a little bit. He was so good. There were a bunch of kids in front of him and he was talking to us and then these kids were all looking at him and he said eventually to the kids, children, children, come, come, children, come. <laughs> come, my child. Come, my child, come, <laughs> come. And then he was surrounded by little kids and it was just, yeah, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful, uh, only at celebration <laughs> where, the ma- where the magic happens all around you. So what we're talking about in this episode here is one of the biggest things to come out of Celebration was all the Last Jedi stuff. Yes. And basically all of our Thursday night (laughs) and Friday morning was getting ready for the Last Jedi panel. Yes. And most of the day on Friday was thinking about what we just saw, which, you know, was weird because like the Internet was awful everywhere we went. It's not like even if you left the convention center, suddenly you could get like a good internet connection. You were basically cut off like the whole weekend. Like I'd never really heard like other people talking about the Last Jedi preview except for us. Yeah, you weren't really getting like the the general reaction from the outside world. No, yeah, it's just talking to each other and the people around. Like, what's even going on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we were at that point, you know. Two days into not sleeping, so everything was a little... <laughs> a little goofy. A little goofy, a little hazy. <laughs> well, on the elevator ride from the hotel, what was on Friday, I just had to take a little nap. And the, I just <laughs> laid down for a hot second. Yeah, those two, those two, three floors of peace and quiet. Started thinking too much about ancient Jedi books in a tree, and I had to get a little, get a little shut-eye real quick. Yeah. And it is almost, it's almost like they cut that trailer knowing everyone was going to be sleep deprived and delirious <laughs> because it was, it was, it took us a while to really realize, I think that's, a, I think those are books in a tree. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 it can't be. We're just seeing things. Am I dreaming? Yeah. That's got to be a spaceship hangar or something. <laughs> no, I think, I think those are books it's in old. a tree. <laughs> no. That's crazy. So let's start talking about the the panel, the Last Jedi panel that happened Friday morning. All right. Um, Kathy Kennedy and Ryan Johnson come out. Um, Ryan Johnson talking about post production is very far along. Uh, we, we're actually so we're in post production. We're we're still editing, but we're very far along. We're doing quite well, and it's all coming together. Yeah. Well, and Ryan Johnson being potentially very tired as well because he was at the line for what four hours on. Thursday night? Yeah. So, yeah. Which was pretty amazing. <laughs> he shows up. He's walking through the line. But one of my favorite parts was people absolutely freaking out to get him to sign something. But as he's walking through the line, the people trying to get him to sign something are completely walking over people that are sleeping on the ground. It, it was complete chaos, um, <laughs> which was kind of fun that we happened to be awake and we, like, watched the uh, 
its start because it was just like he kind of just appeared and then we're like, oh, look, there's somebody over there. And a couple people were like walking over towards where he was. And we're like, huh, I wonder what's going on. There must be somebody in here. And we're like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe it's Daniel Logan again or, you know, (laughs) Ray Park, Ray Park or something. And then the crowd kept getting bigger and bigger. And I don't even know. How did we figure out? Did somebody like yell out? It's Ryan Johnson or something. And then and we're like, oh, Ryan Johnson's here. And then, yeah, the, the, the mob of people just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And he had the, the world's best security guard with a huge mullet. <laughs> looked like, we were hoping looked like Brutus the Barber beefcake. Yeah, we were hoping he had a panel later in the weekend. <laughs> but, yeah, literally people were just – I'm surprised no one got trampled because everyone just had Ryan Johnson fever. And they were just running in mass towards him and, yeah, kicking people over and people waking up surrounded by legs. Like, what, <laughs> what, what's going on? I don't know. It's the Wild West. <laughs> it's like Barter Town. <laughs> and yeah, and he he hung out until I guess like what three thirty four in the morning or something. It was something crazy like that because eventually they figured out that it wasn't working to have him like walking among the people, and they moved him <laughs> over to the corner and had a had a line that you could wait in line. And I mean, he was being cool. He was talking to everybody. He was signing. <laughs> He's like signing people's toilet paper, like anything anybody had, he was signing. Papa John's pizza box. Yeah, I'm sure there's a hundred Papa John's pizza boxes with Ryan Johnson's signature on it. <laughs> but, you know, it was cool of him. Yeah, he hung out with the crazies for, for hours um, yeah. the night before his big panel. It was a blast. And I, I actually, I want to thank everybody because, you know, yesterday watching the 40th anniversary panel, um, it, and then thinking about just all what this means to all of us, um, I started getting really scared. It's really, it's really scary coming out of doing this. And coming out last night, getting to meet all you guys, feeling just the positivity, feeling the encouragement, and just getting to actually, um, I don't know, just, just meet you guys and get to know all you a little bit. It, it was, it, 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 uh, Thank you. We, this is the best fan family in the world, man. This is, you guys are the best. Um, and his editor, right? His editor was there, who we ran into at Galactic Nights. Oh, he and was, no one, no one noticed. <laughs> no he, one knew who he was. It was his producer. Oh, was it the producer? Okay. Yeah, his producer was going around Galactic Nights. Yeah, with his son. Yeah, there were a lot of people sneaking around at Galactic Nights. That we didn't realize until the next day. Hayden Christensen was riding Rock and Roller Coaster possibly right before we did. I think uh, Kelly Marie Tran was there wandering around. Mm-hmm. We didn't see her. Mm-mm. Daniel Logan was, well, we knew Daniel Logan was there because he was in the parade. But Unless they were riding were. Star Tours seven times with us. <laughs> they may have been, though. We, we had Star Tours fever. <laughs> we could have been sitting next to uh, John Nolan. We wouldn't have noticed him. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have a whole. We were inspired, and we'll have a whole Star Tours episode coming up not too long. Because yeah. yeah, we rode Star Tours over and over and over again. It, it, <laughs> it changed my life. Attention, please. Star Tours Flight Eleven Nineteen, nonstop service to Endor, is now ready for boarding at gate number one. So, Kathy Kennedy talking about Ryan Johnson, say saying he has an amazing uniqueness. Well, I think you're already getting a sense of it, but I'm going to embarrass him by saying that um, he is on his way to standing alongside many of the great filmmakers that I've had the opportunity to work with. 
He has an amazing uniqueness to what he does. He also writes as beautifully as he directs, which is quite incredible. And um, he writes amazingly fierce and independent women. I get the feeling Last Jedi has more of a unique look to it than, you know, not that Force Awakens or Rogue One are bad-looking movies, but, I mean, you kind of got the feeling that Last Jedi has its own look. Yeah. Well, and we kind of, I think we're expecting that because, you know, they've admitted Force Awakens was kind of intentionally familiar looking, right? Mm -hmm. Like they went, they made a point to have the sand planet and the snow planet and the forest planet because those felt the most Star Wars. And now, yeah, with Last Jedi, we're getting a tree with books in it (laughs) and a weird salt planet with red clay smoke underneath it. And um, I think there's going to be some, some interesting choices. Ryan Johnson revealed um, that he and Carrie Fisher spent hours kind of going over the script. And I and connected with her first and foremost as a writer. You know, she's a brilliant writer, has an incredible mind. And um, we like would sit on, I'd go to her house, we'd sit on her bed for hours and go through the script. And we would just have these kind of these kind of stream of consciousness jazz poetry kind of like ad lib sessions and I would just scribble on my script everything she said and then at the end of six hours there would be like a four word line of dialogue that would be like (laughs) the distillation of all that uh, that was brilliant you know I'd be like oh my god Um, then Daisy Ridley comes out she's talking about how it goes deep into Ray's story and what is very apparent from where we left off in The Force Awakens and where we begin with The Last Jedi is Rey has a certain expectation as to what she might be getting from Luke and what that might entail. And as a lot of people know, it's uh, difficult when you meet your heroes because it might not be what you expect. Amazing. Which is interesting. And still similar to uh, when Luke meets Yoda. Not that Yoda was his hero, but the general, he wasn't what he expected. And they're kind of keeping that theme bb8 came out which you know it was cool but it was like i think that was the overall like thing of that whole panel like some people were saying they were underwhelmed by that panel it's like and it's like we were both there for that force awakens panel and we remember when bb8 came out for that and it was mind-blowing and now bb8 coming out it's like oh yeah hey cool there's bb8 well yeah i think if there's any criticism of that panel it was i think i was expecting them to not be holding back as much as they did because of the fact for Force Awakens, it made sense that they were holding back because it was this whole new thing. But even though they were kind of holding back, they had Carrie and Mark and then yeah, BB-8 coming out, who we'd never seen as a real thing in the flesh or in mm-hmm. the metal. And then they were kind of holding back on the trailer because it was all brand new stuff where this, yeah, they didn't have Adam Driver come out. They didn't have yeah, Oscar Isaac <laughs> couldn't, Oscar Isaac couldn't yeah. come. Um, um, Hux. Hux, who there were so many people dressed as Hux. Yes. <laughs> at the show that yes. I was kind of surprised they didn't bring Hux out. Dogs and, and cats, birds, everything. everybody dressed as Hux. No Andy Serkis. Mm-mm. Uh, Laura Dern with the fake out where she was at Disney, you know, sending Instagram pictures of her there, but she wasn't at the panel. Right. It was interesting how much they're still trying to, I guess, keep the surprise. <laughs> 
Well, it's kind of interesting. I think, was it Ryan Johnson called BB-8 the Buster Keaton of the movie? There are, yeah, the, the best advice I got going into this whole process was from JJ's editors who told me, you can't have enough BB-8. Uh, and we followed their advice. He's the Buster Keaton of this movie. No, no he's, he's, I'm excited for you guys to see what he does in this movie. It's pretty fun. It looks like it's going to be kind of some heavy stuff going on. So BB-8 being in there to kind of bring in the cute and the goofball could be really good. Well, and I'm still at my fingers crossed that we'll get some R2 BB-8 team-up action. Uh, so they start talking about the First Order, which was kind of a tease, because I think everybody in the room thought that M Driver was about to walk out. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, Starkiller base, big loss, big loss. But uh, they did manage to take out the seat of the Republic, and that's thrown the galaxy into... Chaos and the First Order are jumping on that at the beginning of our movie. Um, very aggressively, not sitting on their hands. They're making some big moves at the start of our film. So things are going to get dire. But I did kind of think we talked about this a little bit at the show that without, you know, Hux or Kylo or any of the First Order actors coming out, it is almost like, you know, it's like old school wrestling where they're like, even though the First Order people are played by real people. They're like not showing the real people so that, you know, you think they're really out in space being evil and they're too evil to come to the panel. The Undertaker is a real Undertaker. Kylo Ren is real and he's mean and he does not want to be at Celebration. Instead of Kylo Ren, they just bring out um, Jimmy the Mouth of the Mouth of the South Heart. (laughs) With a, yeah. with a megaphone? Yeah. Well, they did have... Ryan Johnson had the megaphone when he was at the, at the line, so yeah. they, they totally could have did that. Up in the mouth of the South Since I was in school I watched wrestling before it was cool then they brought out our first introduction to a new character, Rose, played by Kelly Marie Tran. And I don't know, I think she is... I'm really looking forward to Rose. I think she's going to be a great new addition to whole flavor of the movie yeah i almost get the feeling that she's potentially even more of the classic leia style character who is going to be in everybody's business and not not hold back ray is more the loop character the the hero character and we don't have that kind of no nonsense not messing around doing her job getting down to business and kicking butt kind of character yeah I love that she goes off on an adventure with Finn. You know, we've seen some photos of some things that that adventure entails, and it's going to be it's going to be really fantastic. And I like that she's like an, an unlikely hero, and she's not a soldier; that she's a maintenance worker for the resistance. I wonder how she gets wrapped up going with Finn on the adventure that they go on. I don't know. It's just great. I, I think she seemed fantastic on stage. Uh, that one photo we saw of her, of her character looked great. Yeah, she definitely has a lot of, of energy, which is going to be fun to see on screen, especially, yeah, with her and uh, John Boyega playing yeah. off each other. So my character's name is Rose. She's part of the resistance. Um, yeah, and she works in maintenance, and I just can't wait for you to meet her. Oh, there she is. That's her. <laughs> she's, uh, she's pretty rad. Rose, works, Rose is a maintenance worker in the resistance. And I, for, for me, growing up, uh, one of the things as a kid in Colorado watching these movies, you feel like you're a, just a, a, watching Luke Skywalker kind of get pulled out of, and I think it's why people respond to Ray also, 
get pulled out of uh, wherever he is and be this unlikely hero. The notion that a, you can, anyone out there, any of us, can step up and turn into a hero. That's really kind of where the character of Rose comes from. She's not a soldier, she's not looking to be a hero, and she gets pulled in a very big way into an adventure in this movie with Finn. And, Ke I, and Kelly just embodies that for me. <laughs> but that's you know another thing that it's like man the panel was awesome but you know for the people who were there it would have been great to see you know even like a three second clip or something of rose in the film even if the people at home didn't get to see that because it was a tease for her to come out we get the photo and it's like hey there's this great new character rose and then we see the trailer and there's like not even a shot of her in the trailer there's a lot more to reveal over the next yeah. Eight months. Eight months. Absolutely nothing about Laura Dern. Completely nothing about whatever the heck Benicio Del Toro is doing in the movie. Right. If he's even still in the movie. Yeah, it's true. Who knows? Nothing about Billy Dee, who in his panel says he's not in the movie, which yeah. either he's not in the movie or <laughs> he's really good at pretending he's not in the movie. Uh, how did you watch Billy Dee's panel? Was, was, I, was, was, he, was he awake? Because of the 40th anniversary, how we felt on Sunday night, that's how Billy Dee looked in the 40th anniversary panel. Yeah, no, he was the same. His panel, actually, if I, unless they cut some of it out, I think it's only like 20 minutes long. <laughs> so <laughs> he must have had a small window before his nap. But I don't blame him. I forgot that he's 80 years old. Like, he looks good for 80 years old. So, you know, whatever Billy D wants to do, you let Billy D do it. He's earned it. My favorite part in the 40th was they asked him why he wanted to do Star Wars. And he's like, I saw, I don't know about that American graffiti. I've never seen that. I, I saw that THX, whatever, whatever, whatever. That's what I liked. I wanted to. He said the same thing in his panel, too. <laughs> But he remembered the numbers at that time. He must have wrote them on his hand or something. That weird movie with Bobby Duvall and a bald head. That was good. I like that one. I, when he said that, the 40th anniversary panel, I wonder if you can hear it on the video, but I'm the only person clapping. And he's like, I saw a THX. That's what I want to do. And there's like one guy. All right. <laughs> that's, my, that's my jam. THX. Yeah. My time is yours. That's one. That's Go ahead. So then Mark Hamill comes out, being Mark Hamill, and talking about how he showed Ryan Johnson his favorite episode of Sergeant Bilko. <laughs> Goofy Mark. And he's talking about how it's not Luke's story anymore. And to a certain extent, you know, it's not Luke's story anymore. But I, I think he's an important part of the overall arc of the saga. And again, there's a lot of mystery about him, even within the film. So you have to fill in your your own backstory. I'm sure there'll be comic books and video games and novels that tell the story, but... I'm so. just going to break in here and make sure that everybody out there realizes he is so significantly important to the ne this next film. You have oh. no idea. Well, that's good to hear. Mr. Modesty. He mistakenly, jokingly referred to Daisy Ridley as his daughter. Well, and then later on, doesn't he talk about... Carrie Fisher as his space sister. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, did you watch the Nightline ABC special? No, about Celebration? Yeah, about uh, the Last Jedi trailer. No, I didn't see that. It's really interesting because it's, it's Daisy Ridley and Mark Hamill in a room together, and Mark Hamill says how he said to Ryan Johnson after he first read the script for The Last Jedi, It was a shocking to me to read what Ryan had written 
as I'm sure it will be for the audience. I think how the, the Last Jedi starts and the journey we go on is perhaps unexpected. I went to Ryan's office and I was like, we need to have a talk about what's happening here. When I read Eight, I told Ryan, I fundamentally disagree with virtually everything you've decided about my character. What does that mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then the panel was pretty much over, and we all, after that, we saw the trailer twice, and we all got um, that awesome poster. Yes. Gabe, where, where's, what if, where's your poster right now? Under my bed. <laughs> <laughs> I keep it close to me when I sleep at night. You know, okay. I, need, I need to get a frame or something to put it in, so yeah, I'm hiding it under my bed right now so it doesn't get uh, demolished. In case the, the house bursts into flames, you can grab it first. Yeah, I can grab it and jump right out the window. <laughs> yeah, well, mine's in the basement next with the the Carrie Fisher poster. With um, I think this week I'm going to go out and get frames for those. I'm amazed it made it home in one piece on yes. the plane. So yeah. it was a a cool pro- poster and a nice surprise to get to take it home. And I think I was joking about it at the show that it's much cooler than the sideways crawl from the Force Awakens <laughs> panel. <laughs> that, they, that somebody made in the car on the way to the show. It's good enough. Yeah, they'll, they'll just be happy they got something. But yeah, it's a cool poster, and it yeah, you, the more you look at it, the more it makes you think about what's going on in Last Jedi. What's going on with me? Am I staying healthy enough? Am I going to live yeah. through this? Right. I'm going to hang the poster in the bathroom. So every night, I got to do more exercises. <laughs> So let's get into the trailer. All right. Let's break it down. Let's talk about it. Surprise, surprise, Lando in disguise. I loved it. Uh, yeah, it's a good trailer. I love every single second of it. I've, we I've, were going nuts. People were going nuts. I've watched it, oh, probably about 20 times a day since I've gotten home from Celebration, which is great because there, there was so much Star Wars going on every single day of Celebration that, that there was like, at times I forgot about the trailer. It's like, oh my God, I've got to watch that again. See, I actually I don't haven't been watching it as much, and I think part of it is because I almost feel like the audio in the trailer is more exciting than the visuals. Not that the visuals aren't exciting, but there's like a lot more to think about than to watch. And I find myself thinking about the trailer more than actually watching it, which can be just as fun. Oh yeah, but it's you know it's 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 interesting how it's like you know sometimes you get a trailer and you're like you're freeze framing everything because there's just crazy shots you want to look at. Where with this one, I kind of I've been listening more and, you know, thinking about what was said and less about what we saw. The music was really amazing, but the music is not John Williams. It looks like it was done by Frederick Lloyd, um, who I believe did some of the music for the uh, Force Awakens trailer as well. Like it looks like on his Twitter page, he's basically, he says, incredibly proud to have contributed to the reimagining of John Williams music for the first Star Wars, The Last Jedi trailer. Mm. Well, he's good. He is good, and he. I think we talked about this quite a bit over at Celebration. Of they picked the right chunk of music to use, right? The uh, Force theme mixed with Ray's theme that was blowing everybody's mind at the uh, end of Force Awakens, mm-hmm. which is cool in a way too, because it kind of sets up right that the end of Force Awakens is the beginning of the Last Jedi, and and if it's all about Ray and Luke, that's the music cue to use.
So the trailer starts out, we think it's space that we're seeing. You think it's like a like a space shot, like a galaxy shot. Nope, it's rocks. You got that eerie music and you see Ray's hand come slamming down on one of the rocks as she gasps for air. Yeah, which is double cool because it's it's kind of what mirroring the first shot of Finn from the original teaser for Force Awakens, but then it's also kind of a I feel like a play on the the Ray with the goggles stars that we thought it was stars, and then it's just Ray taking her goggles off, or oh yeah, that, right. or, or she's wiping, uh, or she pulls the panel off or something, right when she's uh, digging through the Star Destroyer, right. Mm-hmm. So it's the same kind of fake out and. I remember with that one, everyone was like, oh, is that going to be the opening shot? And people are saying the same thing about this. Like, is that going to be the opening shot? And probably not. Yeah. <laughs> it's just another <laughs> just another fake out. And it looks like there's a, there's a cave opening behind her. So it makes you wonder, did she just come out of that cave? Did she have some sort of vision in there? What exactly did she see that's got her so freaked out at that moment? Or she just, uh, she was in the... Um, Episode 9 panel. <laughs> you won't believe what's in the episode 9 panel at Celebration. She she just got her wristband. She had to sleep yeah. on a on a pool floaty. In a cave. Yeah, in a cave. And she just got, yeah, it was really cold. They had cold air blasting on her all night. Yeah. She just got her so, wristband, so she's like a little, little excited. I can totally relate to that. <laughs> but also she's wearing, do you notice all throughout the trailer, Ray's wearing her end of episode seven outfit. Oh yeah, she is, isn't she? She's not wearing the outfit that we see in like the toy packaging and even what was on some of the t-shirts that were being sold at Celebration. Right. It's almost like she wears her end of Force Awakens outfit to train and then she's like, man, I'm all dirty and stinky, but all I have to change into is my Jakku clothes. (laughs) And then she just puts those back on. Yeah, Luke's like, look at me. Clearly, there's no washing machine here. And you can jump in the ocean, but good luck getting back up here. Take my advice. Yeah. Just live with the stink. Yeah. <laughs> You'll get used to it eventually. Yeah. Well, that smells stink with. Then you hear Luke saying, breathe. Breathe. Just breathe is a good shot of um, the water that comes up on the island. And Gabe, did you notice there are three islands in that opening shot? There's, I think, there's more than three. Really? There's one to the right too. Yeah. So if you're watching along on the trailer, there's actually four islands. There's three other islands to the left, so you can see there's four islands, counting the middle island, and then there's a fifth island to the right. So there's actually five islands in that. Oh wow! But yeah, I'm excited to see more of this planet because i think it's a cool concept of a you know it's like camino but there's islands it's like a natural version of camino that'd be great the caminoans showed up just out of the blue yeah they're like this is our vacation planet they they show up with yeah some sunscreen like an inner tube oh hello this is a family of caminoans oh that dirty hippie's here again (laughs) our travel agent said you'd be gone they're just floating in the water with pool toys. The Fifth Island is a Camino Hotel. Yeah, that's probably, I think, the one to the right out in the distance is the uh, <laughs> Camino Hotel. Dad, Don Weiss here. 
So then I think that we get the nice aerial shot of the island, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, where you can see the, the Jedi steps zigzagging around. Which is cool, because I'm guessing maybe some of that stuff is really there. And they're keeping it because it goes with the movie? Or is that stuff that they digitally added because there's going to be you know scenes down there at the bottom where there's all those little, looks like man-made walls and things? Yeah, I don't know. Movie magic. Out. And you see all the little rocks floating up, mm-hmm. rays touching the ground. Well, and don't forget the shot before that of of Ray looking out at the ocean. Oh, right, kind of yeah. uh, reminiscent of Anakin meditating on his mother. Luke, know. it's also reminiscent of Luke burning his father. Basically, there's some deep thoughts for Ray right there. She's contemplating something as she looks out at the sea. I was almost thinking, is she going to like, you know, like the Ten Commandments and make the whole freaking sea rise, you know? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Or that's just her really thinking about, man, I am so stinky right now. <laughs> but I don't know if I'm going to make it back in. Is it worth it? Um, but yeah, then there's the floating rocks. Man, I looked at that a million times. Does does it look like you can see Luke's lightsaber in the corner? Ooh, I haven't seen that. I keep thinking you see the bottom of, a, I think, is that Ray's foot or is that Luke's foot? That's what I was thinking, yeah, that it's somebody's foot. But then if you look on the left side of the frame, it almost looks like you can see the saber on her belt. Or like maybe she's sitting down. Those scenes, just making rocks float and stuff, if it's actually in the movie, that's going to kill me. And that's... They should. I'm surprised they haven't started putting warnings at the beginning of the trailer, where it's or a disclaimer at the end, like these. None of these scenes may actually be in the film, <laughs> in case you haven't realized. You know, two movies in by now. Remember Rogue One. Good chance none of this will be in the movie. <laughs> yeah, don't get too attached to the trailer. Then you hear Luke. Yeah. Uh, what do you see? What do you see? And I love how like genuinely curious Luke sounds. Yeah, like he wants to know too. And that's actually an interesting point. It's like if Luke's been, you know, meditating in the force and trying to kind of get a feel for what's going on, it'll be interesting when Ray does it if yeah, if she confirms his feelings or if it's a whole different, you know, she sees completely different things. And don't forget too, in the visual dictionary, we've talked about it a lot, but it if for the Force Awakens it says that for the longest time Luke's been cut off from the living force. Oh, right. So he's his connection to the Force has been severed for quite some time. That's true. Until yeah. kind of the Force awakens with Rey. I think they said at that moment when she is flying the Falcon, and uh, when Snoke says there's been an awakening, kind of the living Force kind of reignites at that moment. And that's when Luke has a connection again. Yeah, Luke's relationship with the Force has been interesting, Um I don't know, but yeah, Luke would be kind of curious, like, for the longest time, if Luke's been, except for his failed attempts to rebuild a Jedi Academy, Luke's kind of been the only one kind of out there doing stuff with the Force, and suddenly here's Rey, and what's her perspective on this? Like, what does she see? What's yeah. What does her vision of the Force for the future, what's, what's in that? I don't know. But yeah, yeah. She, she says she sees light. From bes- from behind, we see Leia, and it looks like some kind of resistance ship. Yeah, which there's a sweet-looking, gray-haired old dude in the corner. There's a, have you noticed it looks like potentially Akbar at the command console on his little chair? Oh, no, I didn't notice that. I noticed okay. the whole ship looks very Mon Calamari. Yeah, if you look closely to Leia's left, it looks like Akbar in his command chair. Mm. 
up, up by the screen. And yeah, you know, I think that is Montcalm, right? Because you the they have the little um, tables, mm-hmm. like you know, with the one leg in the middle. Um, and then throughout the shot too, you see another Mon Calamari walk in, walk across. So there's two Mon, Calamari, Mon Calamaris in there, and it looks like a lady with a really cool rebel helmet mm. walking around in the background too. This is the first time when we see Leia from behind here, General Leia. This is the first time the whispers begin, which I think this last week in my sleep deprived state, I was hearing things in the whispers that didn't actually exist. I think everybody was. <laughs> <laughs> like I was. I was hearing all kinds of crazy stuff. Like I was hearing like the theme from Welcome Back Cotter being whispered in the background or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Listen closely, it's there, I swear. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> the names have all changed since you've been around. Yeah, you know, like What? <laughs> what what are they saying? You know. All the players from the Harlem Globetrotters are being whispered in the background. Curly. But it could be. I don't know. It should be. So you you separated out the channels, right? I did. I I, I started messing around with separating out the channels um, because yeah, um, some of the whispers are only in one speaker or the other. But it turned out it's the the easiest thing was to just actually listen to it in mono. So you're basically listening to both channels at the same time, um, and it is easier to pick out the voices because you aren't like having to listen in one with one ear and the other ear. Um, but yeah, that first one is pretty sure, and you know, comparing it with some other people's analysis right is is leia saying help me open right yes what do you say like and then you hear ray say darkness and there's a smashed kylo ren helmet Mm -hmm. you hear vader breathing Mm -hmm. um and this one i think it's harder to pick out exactly what's being said, right? But I'm pretty sure it's Obi-Wan saying Vader was seduced by the dark side of the Force. Yes. Darkness. People Which thought- is extra confusing because he says that in A New Hope and in Jedi. He says right. seduced by the dark side, and I'm not sure which clip that is. It was crazy because people, people thought we were nuts because right after we got back from the Last Jedi panel, we were in our hotel room, and you were playing the trailer on your phone. And I was down on my knees with my ear against the speaker on your phone. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's seduced by the dark side. And people are like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> well, like, you thought I was crazy at the panel because right after the first time I showed it, I was like, you could hear Yoda. I heard Yoda. I didn't. Like, no, what are you talking about? Like, I'm, I'm sure Yoda's there. I heard it. Interesting that Kylo Ren's helmet is smashed, like surrounded by glass. Like, yeah, that's what I was trying to think. Because I like, okay, his smashed helmet—that's not out of place for Kylo Ren to have a smashed helmet. But you know, why is there glass around it? How many helmets does he have, too? Because I can't imagine this is the Starkiller base helmet because it blew up. Yeah. Unless he grabbed it on the way out and like. Gave it to Hux, or Hux picked it up when he was looking for him. He buried it. He hid it in the woods. Saved it for later. Yeah. He might have. He might have done that. That's true. He had time. Um, And it's smoking, too. There's smoke coming out of the eye eye hole. I mean, it doesn't look like the lightsaber cut through it. It looks more like he, like, sat on it or something. Yeah. He forgot it was there. Maybe maybe Snoke smashes it. Ooh. But it is kind of cool. I don't... Know that I mean, thinking back to all the old trailers, you know, the Star Wars movies always kind of reference themselves and mirror themselves. But I can't think of any time when the movie trailers 
kind of mirrored themselves and referenced themselves as much. Since we got, you know, Vader's misshapen helmet in the Force Awakens trailer, and now we're getting Kylo's misshapen, smashed helmet in this trailer. Then is the the books. Man, the books. In the tree, which at first I was just like, what? Is that Bendu? Yeah. Is that the Bendu? Maybe. Because <laughs> it kind of, it's kind of Bendu-esque. But it, like when I first saw that at that panel, I didn't know what I was looking at at that moment. I was like, wait, what? what is that? Well, and being, you know, in a giant room with a projector a hundred yards away, sweat and tears in your eyes <laughs> from sleeping on the floor. Like, what is that? Even And then even watching it afterwards on our phones, it's like on the phone, it was still like, what is that? But it's obviously it's some sort of bookshelf, the most un-Star Wars thing you would imagine ever seeing, uh, which is really cool. Because I think we have we talked about it on the show, just how like. There's no paper. There's never been paper in Star Wars. Yeah, I think it was the oh. um, the Bloodline book was the first time they ever used paper. So just that's pretty wild that, you know, eight movies in, we're getting Star Wars paper. <laughs> because, yeah, that next shot of the Jedi symbol on a burned up piece of paper oh, is just a, like that's a gloved that's, hand going over it. Yeah, like that's. You know, who would have thought that that would be like the money shot of the trailer that you're you can't get out of your head? Like, what does it mean? It's yeah. Was it like some old journal of the wills? Like, I know that's that was the hot talk that Friday afternoon Mm -hmm. that that could be the actual like journal of the wills, like the original teachings of the first Jedi in a book. Which, before Rogue One, I think we would have thought that that was crazy. But, you know, they made a point in Rogue One to... Bring the wills back, the Temple of the Wills, the Guardians of the Wills, like... Kyber crystals. And I mean, maybe they won't call it the Journal of the Wills, but I don't know. Why wouldn't they? Unless it's just like an old phone book. <laughs> <laughs> and that's actually the like the AT&T logo from a long time ago. And Luke's like, we gotta, we got to call uh, Benicio Del Toro's character, and we got to find this old phone book. This is Dave Filoni's sketchbook. He shows up. Hey, everybody, you found my sketchbook. Let me show you the first drawing of Ahsoka I ever did. There it is. Okay, yeah. see it. He drives off. <laughs> well, he just he uh, flies away on the Inquisitor saber. Just jumps up and <laughs> <laughs> flies <laughs> off the island. Yeah, <laughs> I got to bring those back. So I was wondering if that gloved hand is that Luke's robot hand. Does that make sense? Is that the right hand? It is the right hand. I was thinking the same thing. It's like maybe Luke has a glove, but then I thought he didn't have a glove at Force Awakens, so. Why get a glove now? Maybe it's somebody else. You know, when you're meeting somebody new, Luke's just like, well, I'm just going to let it all out. I'm just going to tell Ray everything about me. You know, I'm Luke Skywalker, and I have a robot hand. So you're not freaked out later because it gets weird when I'm eating popcorn with it because that's all we have to eat on this island is popcorn. Now, what's the whisper during that part? Yeah, so that's the one I think you were getting confused by, and I think it is more confusing because it, it starts – in one ear and finishes in the other ear is I'm pretty sure it's um, Yoda talking about how the force surrounds us and binds us and surrounds us is in like the left channel and then binds us is in the right channel. So it's kind of swirling around, but I'm pretty sure that's the Yoda clip. That's crazy. And also that's crazy. That was in Ray's vision in the force awakens, right? The the whole kind of 
whispers and hidden voices kind of started in Ray's vision. So yeah. it makes me wonder if, I don't know, if that's kind of what they're alluding to with this whole trailer, that it's all kind of like visions in the Force and crazy stuff like that. Yeah, and with hearing Yoda and, and Obi-Wan in the vision, now hearing Yoda and Obi-Wan again, right? Are we going to see Yoda and Obi-Wan? I don't know. I think Yoda's a given, but... I feel like, why would you take the Help Me Obi-Wan clip of all the clips, too? You know, it's like I can see using the the Seduced by the Dark Side to kind of, oh, yeah, that's Kylo. Mm -hmm. But, you know, showing Leia and Help Me Obi-Wan, that's a pretty big tease if that doesn't pan out. So then, then there's a shot of them on the cliff. He says, it's so much bigger. It's so much bigger. They're on the cliff, Ray swinging her lightsaber around, Luke's watching from overhead. And that shot's probably been played backwards. Did you watch that? Yeah, I was. If you watch Ray, it looks like she's lightsaber fighting in reverse. I was watching that after you you texted that to me that it is in reverse, and I I can kind of see it. I don't think that means anything. <laughs> it's just they liked the shot better with it starting with the cliff obscuring them fighting and then revealing them fighting. So I feel like they probably just flipped it. But it is kind of funny, you know, because they know Star Wars fans are crazy. They're going to go frame by frame. That or shot, that's, that's part of her training. She <laughs> has to do all the moves in reverse. Yeah, everything backwards. You got to run backwards. You got to do a triple flip backwards. Yeah. Well, there's the whole backwards scene in uh, Top Secret. And, you know, now that we know that Rogue One is Top Secret, maybe mm-hmm. they're taking the Top Secret thing into Last Jedi. <laughs> Instead of Yoda talking backwards. They're going to train backwards. It's all connected. It's the ring theory. Yep, it's all there. Um, Just have to look for it. (laughs) What do you see? But yeah, that shot is awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's like dreams are made of right there. Yeah, and it's it's cool to see just the big, epic, almost prequel-style shot. So so after that, we cut to the planet Crate. And hopefully we learn that Crate has a moon called Beryl. Yeah. And crate is where you go to get all your um, kitchen and home furnishings in the Star Wars universe. Yep, a lot of pottery. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got to uh, you go to the crate and barrel planet to get a spatula in Star mm-hmm. Wars world. You can get a good that's one. Where, I think that's where Yoda got his little uh, spoon that mm-hmm. he had in his hut. That was like the one time he left Dagobah. He went to crate and barrel, but man, that janky ship lands down, crashes down. It's got something dragging on the floor. Kicking up all that red dirt. And there's adats in the distance. Yeah. There's like a whole fleet of those ships. They look like they're falling apart. You know, and I was just noticing too, because people were thinking that there were some sort of ATST, because if you look at the ships, you can see that there's different sizes of them. But it looks like the smaller ones are just the same ones farther away. But yeah, I'm really curious about this whole sequence because it's like on one hand it's like, oh, we're getting another ADAT ship battle. But it looks like it's gonna be I think we kind of we've talked about we were talking about this overall where it's like everyone thinks this is going to be empire and maybe it is going to be like empire but it feels like it's going to be not what you expect yeah like we were saying with the lucas thing it's like we're going to get what we think we're getting but we're not going to get it in the way we thought we were going to get it well i can't help thinking too like i know we were saying this last week at celebration but like if they're kicking up the um the red dirt if by the time those little janky ships get to the adats if there's just going to be a swarm 
of red dirt. So then if they're flying so low to the ground, if then the adats can't see them to shoot them, but the janky ships could, I don't know what they're going to do against those adats, like shoot them or something. I don't know, but, <laughs> but still the, you know, at least it would be a camouflage so they can't just, you know, shoot their lasers down and blow them up. And it just makes me think of the, the clone troopers in the dust scene in attack of the clones, which is, you know, just visually one of the coolest scenes in the saga, at least according to me. <laughs> <I'm> just <laughs> So if it's anything like that with just dust and adits, well, and that was actually a really cool, the really cool scene in uh, rebels too. When, when Rex in the, was taken on the adits. Mm-hmm. Um, in the dust storm. And you got our, after that, you got our only shot of Finn in the trailer where he's in what I'm going to say right now is the biohexacrypt suit. I think it could be. All week I kept wanting to decode the Arbush, Abush, that's kind of reflected on his um, little pod he's in. Mm-hmm. I haven't done it yet. I'm sure know, we, And we have no excuse because we got the little translator cards from Celebration. I know. Which I should be keeping in my wallet at all times. You never know. Um, you got Poe and BB-8 running down a hallway. Um, looks like the same kind of ship where we saw Leia earlier. BB-8 is in a hurry. In full run mode. Poe running into a hangar and his black X-Wing gets blown up and you can see some A-Wings in there. I think at first people thought that that glowing thing was the door to the outside but you can actually see the hangar going on pretty far in the distance so whatever's blowing up is like inside the ship you cut to the falcon shooting up some tie fighters right which could be our one shot of chewbacca what's interesting then you know the falcon leaves a chew at some time during during the movie well or they're still on that planet because the sky was thinking that this morning like the sky it's like, how much can you tell from a sky? But that does look very similar to the kind of sky you see in all the Achu pictures from earlier in the trailer. So maybe the First Order does find them. And that's uh, either the escape from the planet or, yeah, just Chewie running around, keeping everybody safe. You got Ray running with her saber, again in her End of Force Awakens outfit, looking very determined. Saber's lit. Then cut right to Kylo turning his saber. With his new scar. Yeah, his new scar, which it's funny how much there's a controversy about that. you got to love Star Wars fans. <laughs> it's just unacceptable. Why did they have to move the scar? Which I didn't even notice, you know. Well, I liked the, I, the, someone's explanation was that it healed up completely in the Bacta tank, but he was mad and he like cut his own scar after the fact because he wanted to have something cool. <laughs> And that's why it's moved, because it's like Kylo gave that one to himself. It's like he was mad at Snoke for healing him. When I really looked at like a side-by-side photo of the one time you kind of see the scar at the end of Force Awakens to The Last Jedi preview, and it's it's not all that different. I mean, there's a lot of blood on his face at the end of Force Awakens. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good, yeah, that's probably the best explanation could be that it's like, it was just blood smeared on his face. Yeah, I mean, the actual, like, incision on his face, it's like, it still kind of makes sense. Well, and this one's cool, it's more of an Anakin scar. It's like yeah. the Anakin scar at, at an angle. And I, I don't know if you noticed, I saw some people pointing this out online of just how wild the blade is on his saber now. Oh, yeah. That it seems even more just like fire shooting out than it did in Force Awakens. Yeah, because the very next shot is what looks like a flashback of Luke's old temple burning. 
And Luke falls to his knees next to R2-D2. Potentially the same scene from the Force Awakens trailer of his hand touching R2's head. Mm-hmm. Which I was really looking at the um, the temple and what that exactly looked like. Yeah, me too. And then they get very clever because then there's another shot of fire where you think you're watching the same thing of Phasma and a bunch of stormtroopers walking out of fire. Which, you know what? Watching it right now, you know the shot of Poe's... of Poe's ship exploding? Mm-hmm. I almost wonder if this is the aftermath of that. Because if you look in the left side, you can kind of see the glowing, like, doorway thing. There's those, like, those two little glowing uh, stripes that kind of match up with the, uh, the door in the hangar. And then there's an awesome blockade of crazy-looking new, probably resistant ships. I think they're resistant ships. Did you notice there's at least like two colors of squadrons too? There's like a blue squadron and a red squadron. Mm-hmm. So if you yeah, if you look half of uh, some of the big kind of B-wing cruiser ships are blue and the other ones are red. Um, and if you are, do kind of freeze frame in those clips, you can get a good shot of the A-wings. Oh really? Yeah, you can see the A-wings flying around, and they're you know it, I think it's it's kind of a similar design to the way the X-wings are, where they're they're roughly the same, but there's you know some different curves and shapes. But they they're like white in the middle with the red wing, red stripes on the sides, kind of like the classic A wings. It looks so awesome. <laughs> yeah, it looks really cool. And I'm still I can't I keep thinking that maybe that's Dakar, the Resistance planet. Oh, well, like underneath Force Awakens. Yeah, that it's like they're that the First Order is basically attacking the. The resistance base, since you know they blew up Star Killer and they couldn't blow it up with Star Killer, but the resistance or the First Order knows where their base is, and if this is taking place, basically immediately after Force Awakens, that maybe the First Order just well, we can't use Star Killer, so we're just going to send the, our fleet to the resistance base. Like this could be the almost the beginning of the movie. Oh yeah, like the battle's still going. Yeah, that there's right. like, you know, right off the beginning of the movie, it's like the First Order's attacking the Resistance base. Uh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be interesting, too, if, if it did, in some ways, echo Empire, and we got a big battle scene early on in the movie. And if it did echo Empire 2 with, you get the big battle done early, so at the end is the more emotional, personal battle. Even though they kind of did that a little bit in Force Awakens with the Kylo Ray fight. But yeah, well, maybe that's the rematch, basically, is the end of this one. So then the trailer ends out in the... It, it looks like we're in a cave, but if you brighten it up, we're, you're clearly like inside a tree. And, and you can see Ray's staff inside there. Luke's, yeah. Luke's in the doorway. I only know one truth. Jedi to end. And I don't know if you were noticing too, if you look outside, it does look very similar to the set we've seen with the Falcon at the bottom of the little valley leading up to the force tree that I bet you this is, you know, if we go back to those spy photos, like that's probably this scene that wherever the Falcon is, there's this big tree and they're inside the tree looking at the bookshelf that the whole it's time for the Jedi to end thing was really kind of messing with people 
like people are like no 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 you know but it's it's interesting i mean i feel like we this is a concept we've been talking about since like the first episode of blast points which by no means do i encourage anyone to go out and listen to <laughs> don't you're fine we yeah. we've just summed it up for you don't don't go back but yeah we've been talking about that forever that the the old ways of the jedi it makes sense that luke would be no we're not doing that again yeah because it didn't work the first time it didn't work the second time he tried it and yeah, well, we've talked about all the like, you know, we basically in Phantom Menace, you see Qui-Gon, who is kind of what the Jedi should be. And now, you know, eight movies later, Luke is kind of potentially realizing where the Jedi sh- should be going. And, you know, and it's about force. It's not about the Jedi order and their rules and their traditions. It's about trusting in yourself and the force. And it's like what we've talked about, too, that Rebels has been so good with introducing and even clone wars introduced the concept of people that aren't jedi that aren't sith but are force users right yeah with us where ahsoka ultimately ended up where with the bendu where it looks like kanan's going that it's not you know and i think that's what people maybe get confused too it's not like they're not going to have lightsabers anymore and there's not going to be people using the force but it's the concept of training to be a jedi and training using the teaching of the Jedi and the the rigid structure of the Jedi and, you know, basically completely trying to um, remove temptation from the dark side, as opposed to acknowledging that it's always going to be there and having balance in yourself, not being a hundred percent good or a hundred percent bad. Right. And it's interesting that in this trailer, they say the light, the dark, the balance, which is the first time we've really seen in a star Wars thing clear front and center a third thing besides the light side and the dark side um and that goes along with the uh the the poem from the wills right from the force awakens book wasn't it from the novelization Mm -hmm. the whole the gray basically yeah which there have been a lot of people freaking out online about the whole gray jedi thing kind of coming back and you know if people are if people love that whole gray Jedi thing, which I've never really understood myself, but you know, I mean, you could look at it that way, I guess, you know, I don't think in a million years they're going to say the name gray Jedi in a movie, but no, but it's but this, the, the concept is kind of there. The Jedi didn't want you to have attachments, but Anakin's attachments are what saved the galaxy and Luke's attachments are what got him to save Anakin. You have to still be like a normal person. <laughs> Well, and I was I was really thinking a lot this week too about because people were like, well, how could Luke say that? You know, the Jedi, and it's like, well, if you really look at Luke's life and his personal relationships throughout the films, like the Jedi, the, the Jedi way for Luke Skywalker has brought Luke really nothing but pain. As soon as he decided he was going to go off with Obi Wan and start to flirt with the Force, people have started dying around him. Owen and Baru, Ben, Biggs, Han was put into carbonite and tortured. His whole Jedi school, his failure with his nephew, the death of Han Solo, all of these things were people trying to get to Luke or the people around Luke. So Luke, his whole life, because of his abilities and because of who he is, has been a target. You know, and so Luke, understandably, I mean, I always thought that the look he gives to Ray at the end of Force Awakens, I always took it as, like, sadness. Almost like you don't know what you're getting yourself into. And I, 
I don't want what happened to me to happen to you. Yeah, I could see that. Because Ray is so innocent and so just a being of the force, just so good as Luke once was. And now Luke has had all this death, all this pain surrounding him his whole life. And it's like, I don't want to start this again with you. And so I completely understand that after Luke's failure with his school and everything that happened with Ben, Ben Solo, for Luke to be like, okay, we're doing this different now. And it is time for the Jedi to end. I mean, if Ray is talking to Luke about, oh, the Jedi this and the Jedi, I thought they were a myth and the Jedi were, were so great. You know, Luke might be like, listen, the Jedi weren't that great. And you got to think, too, what has Yoda told Luke? I mean, Yoda very much might agree with Luke. Like, Yoda would be the first to say, I was wrong. We were wrong. The Jedi way was wrong. We were tricked. Yeah. Don't make the same mistakes that we did. I wonder what they're going to do, because on one hand, I see them moving on from the Jedi to something new. But then I also could see... A similar thing where it's kind of a big fake out that the whole movie is Luke doesn't want there to be Jedi anymore and something happens and he changes his mind, you know, and the Jedi are back. Mm. Uh, but I think even if they do that, the Jedi are going to be different than they were before. Like maybe the Jedi don't end, but what is a Jedi is definitely going to be different than it was, you know, in the prequels. So they may keep the Jedi name, but there's there's going to be big big changes. I don't know. It's it's exciting, and like I said, I think just what is said in this trailer almost gets your juices flowing and gets your mind twirling more than the visuals because you know, like I said, just the line saying the balance and you know it's time for the Jedi to end. It's like man, <laughs> you know what's that what's that going to be? Um, it did a good job of just, you know, getting people freaked out and freaked out in the right way of just like wondering what's going to happen. So well, one one last thing, I think, with the trailer looking at that last shot, I don't know, I, it, I didn't really register this just now is did you notice luke's robe is like it looks like it's got the hood mm-hmm. but it only goes down to his knees mm-hmm. we, there was that photo there were two photos of luke during the panel there was one the ultimate wild and loose where you know he looked like he was auditioning for the bgs where his hair was like blowing in the wind where i swear i blacked out for a hot second when they showed that photo <laughs> yeah. but then there was another one where he had his hood up and it was a much darker hood. Well, it was like almost a leather hood. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but with this, I almost it almost looks like it's his beginning end of Force Awakens robe, and he just like cut <laughs> cut the bottom and cut the sleeves off. Like you know, it almost looks like he needed to uh, it needed to be an action robe, so he just cut some of it off. Oh man. Because I don't know if you noticed too. Like it looks like it's it the sleeves only go down to like his elbow. Hopefully Hasbro's working on some stuff. That's all I'm saying. I only know one truth. Hasbro better be working on some stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Step it up. Because we need a Luke. Bad. 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 Like, where's the, I want a Luke four pack, and it's just the same Luke figure four times. (laughs) Because I'm just so happy to have one.
Skywalker X-Wing pilot from the Star Wars action figures collection, each sold separately. I'm jealous. Want to buy a droid? Sure, what you got? It's the new R5-D4 and the power droid. So. And here's Greedo, Han Solo, and Walrus Man. You've had it now, Solo. Yeah. Greedo, it's Ben Kenobi and his lightsaber. We're in trouble. Let's get out of here. Luke Skywalker X-Wing pilot R5-D4, Greedo, and other action figures sold separately. New from Kenner. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. I don't know if you can tell, folks, but we're still kind of pulling it together here. <laughs> We're, we're still in a state of shock. Yeah, it's been a, a long week of recovery. <laughs> you know, one day at a time, one foot in front of the other. Uh, so I think next week we'll be talking about um, some of the other stuff, like uh, Rebels. Like, we haven't even talked about Rebels. Um, some of the other panels that were happening that we didn't go to. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we can talk about some of the stuff that was at the uh, the Cantina panel. Uh, maybe we can give a shout out to our, our buddy Oki from Japan and his amazing vegetable carving panel. Yeah. yeah. We can get into some of that stuff uh, next yeah. week. Next week. Well, in the uh, Han Solo movie Force for Change commercial. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it we, keeps on coming. So, yeah, yeah next week uh, maybe we'll be coherent enough to uh, dig into that stuff. <laughs> but in the meantime, after you're done listening to this episode, you should go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review and write something awesome, and we'll read it on an upcoming show, which I know if you've written a review in the past like month, um, you're probably like, those guys haven't read my review. We're going to get to them. We got a bunch of them, and we promise we'll get to them. But you can add yours to it. It's a great way for more people to find out about the show. It helps the show immensely if you leave a review on iTunes. So go do it. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, and don't forget to check us out on BlastPointsPodcast.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, and wherever podcasts are available. You can find Blast Points. Um, we got, I think we got a new recipe up this week, another mm-hmm. Darth Field. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot going on. And for those of you that uh, have been waiting, we do have the Blast Points t-shirts available. Um, there's a link on the website or just you know, send us a message on Facebook and we'll hook you up. Yeah, mm-hmm. got lots of different sizes, um, some different colors, and some great new like um, baseball jersey style shirts. So if you want to start your own Blast Points baseball team, you're ready to go. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> but yeah, that about wraps it up for episode number seventy. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we only know one truth. It's time for this episode to end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So with that, thanks folks We'll talk to you later Talk to you later, bye bye May the force be with you Goodbye old friend May the force be with you
welcome back Your dreams were your ticket out Welcome back May the force be with all 